You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. New York, the glitz, the glamour, the exciting Muttropolis, the sparkling kitty city that never sleeps. Step onto the sexy streets of animal attraction that is New York City. Welcome to Pets in the City, Life in the Urban Jungle. Join host Diane West as she explores the exciting lives, loves, and laments of the people and pets in the world's greatest city. Pets in the City, like the city itself, has something for everyone. Celebrity pet sightings, hot events, and news and reviews with the hottest movers, shakers, and tail waggers in New York. So get ready to get dressed to the canines and take a bite out of the Big Apple with your Pets in the City host, Diane West. Hello, all you cyber cats, kittens, canines, and creatures under all creation. This is Diane West coming at you once again from the greatest city in the world, New York City, with another episode of Pets in the City on Pet Life Radio. Hey, have you guys ever seen um, that movie, The Birds, from Alfred Hitchcock, the one that was really scary with birds just descending from the sky? Well, this week, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the bird problems we've been having in New York and uh, the role some geese have played in the, uh, you've probably heard of, we actually had a plane make an emergency landing in the Hudson River, and geese are apparently the reason. But we'll be right back and tell you some more. All right, this is my stop, Commercial Boulevard. Yeah, that's funny. Pets in the City will be back in a New York minute. Don't go anywhere. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No. To my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Coast to coast and around the world, it's all behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, this is the place for a special paparazzi treat only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, all you yuppie puppies and city kitties, Pets in the City is back with more urban animals and cool cosmopolitan critters. Try saying that three times fast. Right, Diane? It's one of those crazy things that you hear about, and I 
you know, <laughs> I'm still having trouble believing it. But apparently this is what happened, if you, if you don't know the background of the story. A plane was taking off. It was actually a um, U.S. Airways flight 1549 from LaGuardia Airport. Uh, it was going down south. Uh, it's about a week or two ago. And all of a sudden, about a minute or two after it took off from LaGuardia, which is in Queens, had to make an emergency landing in the Hudson River. It was bizarre. And, I mean, kudos to the pilot who, who rightly got invited to the inauguration for his heroics. I mean, he landed that plane so well and so flat that the passengers were able to walk out on the wings and uh, escape. And, and, I mean, honestly, it looked like people were walk, walking on water like a miracle. What does this have to do with geese? Well, at the moment, at this very moment, what they're thinking is that a flock of geese um, encountered the plane, not exactly at the airport, but as it was ascending, and hit both of the engines so hard that it made the plane stop, and, and they had to crash. I know this sounds bizarre, but apparently there there are quote-unquote bird strikes that happen with um, planes every so often. I hate planes, <laughs> I have to tell you right now. So I have a vested interest in this story, but I, I guess I'm a little bit torn because on the one hand now, and I, I said, you know what, if that turns out to be true, it's going to be open season on geese. And what do my wondering eyes do appear? And I, I pick up a copy of the uh, news, which was, uh, what date are we here, on uh, Monday, and the headline says, Polls to PA, cook those geese. And basically is uh, two local politicians here, um, State Senator Eric Adams of Brooklyn and Hiram Mosarete, I'm sorry for m- mispronouncing your name, uh, from Corona, who are proposing that they shooting geese, putting oil on their eggs to prevent them from hatching and replacing grassy areas with gravel. That that would be our wetlands, by the way. I'm a little bit surprised at you, Senator Adams. You're pretty cool with animals usually, so I'm not I gotta talk to you about that. I did talk to Patrick Kwan, who is the New York State Director of the Mid Atlantic Regional Office for the Humane Society of the United States. I was going to meet him for brunch and uh, to talk about dog fighting, actually, and this, you know, the, the strike with the geese had happened. So I said, okay, I'll have to talk to him about that. So come join us for some coffee and a vegan blueberry muffin and listen in on what Patrick said about, you know, the, these geese and also, you know, some other things that are going on in New York, dog fighting and uh, some legislative tips as well. Patrick, I ate a vegan muffin apparently, and I didn't even notice. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the blueberry muffins are incredible here. So my favorite part is definitely the sugar that's on top, and it's like crusted, and you bake it, and you know, it caramelizes it on top. That's what I love about it. Now, now pronounce where we are again, because you know, I don't have an Ivy League education. Where where are we? Well, I took six years of French, but I don't think I'm uh, (laughs) pronouncing it right. I think it's pronounced Le Pain Clodidien. And it means the daily bread. It's very good. And we're right across the street, actually, from Bryant Park, which is beautiful in the wintertime. And let me introduce our, uh, our brunch host today, Patrick Kwan. And Patrick, tell us exactly what you do at the Humane Society of the United States. You're in the New York division, correct? That's correct. Um, 
I work on policy and campaigns for the Humane Society of the United States as the New York State Director. Okay, now, we're talking about a number of things, and Patrick does everything. Patrick's very busy, particularly this type of year. But on my way here to come see you, I was telling you, I passed, uh, I think it was the post. Forgive me if it's not the post. I'm sorry, post, but it looked like one of your headlines. There was uh, a big picture of a Canadian goose with a, with a red circle and, and slash through him saying, you know, pluck them. And they're referring to the, the really bizarre, you know, uh, plane crash we just had. Now, do you think this is going to be open season on geese now? Well, I think what we are so amazed by is that it's definitely a miracle on the Hudson that all these people were safe. I actually happened to be just like a few blocks away when it happened and can't be more thankful that everyone there was safe, that it happened. And, you know, it's what people understand and know that, you know, we certainly don't see it happen every day, that this is a freak accident. And unfortunately, accidents do happen. And so we see it and, you know, bird strikes happen all the time and this is a bird, you know, happen and it's an accident and it's a freak accident and we're hopeful that it won't happen again. And certainly nationally we do work with airports and we work with all different places to have to have humane wildlife management policies. And what we found is that if you have a in place a humane wildlife policy that you will be able to manage the wildlife better and to helpful in, in the matter of being able to coexist with the wildlife. Now, tell me what some of those, um, you know, I guess uh, strategies are. We're talking a little bit about like how to keep the birds away from the airplane. Um, specific to airports, there, in terms of humane wildlife management that could be done, there's pyrotechnics that can be done in terms of trying to use fire and to lights to try to get the birds away, and certainly in the use of sound. And you know, the most important thing that we need to remember is that JFK Airport is located on a swamp is located on land that's very attractive to birds. And one of the things we are trying to do is to minimize the attractions. And, you know, you could try to shoot as many birds and kill as many birds as possible, but these birds will always come back. And because we know that if you use a very crude way of dealing with it, it's not going to happen. And, you know, something that we do know is that, you know, if you try to take a big chainsaw and try to just solve a problem, it's not going to happen. And, you know, barring a word from our president, president-elect Obama, you really do need to take our scalpel out and really go in to be into the details to be able to solve problems. All right. But, Patrick, i got to tell you, if... A bird isn't scared by a big, gigantic 747. I mean, I used to live near LaGuardia Airport. Let me tell you, man, that was loud, okay? <laughs> if the bird isn't scared by the airplane engines and the, the roar and whatever, I'm not sure how your fireworks are going to scare it away. What actually happens with the birds is that these birds are not flying into the airplanes. These birds are being sucked into the airplane's engines because these engines are so strong. And that's what's happening. It's not the birds are trying to get there. What we need to do is to try to get birds away from the environment. That's what's happening. And, you know, the problem is that there's nothing there that's preventing the birds and, you know, trying to deter the birds from being near the environment. These birds are in the environment. And being that the airplanes are there and their engines are so strong, they are able to suck the birds in. That's what happened. But, but I'm sorry, Patrick. Even if you say it's a freak accident, most people are going to be like, you know what? <laughs> I don't care if it happens once in a million years. I'm, I'm not going to get on an airplane if I see a goose walking around. Oh, gosh. I mean, Diane, I mean, if... If someone else was be able to suck in, I would probably say the same thing. And you know, it doesn't matter if 
if it's a bird, a cow, or you know, a person, I mean, I wouldn't be happy if I'm in a plane and something happens. But I think we need to really sit down and look at the problem and see what is the best way for us to address this problem. And what we've seen is that if you have humane wildlife management options that's out there and you have a long-term plan in order to solve the problem, that would really help us. Okay, so now, all right, we're going to move from the airport to a little bit also in New York City about dog fighting. Now, I, th- I was telling you about this before. I, I hear different things. I hear different things on the street from some of my sources there saying that there's plenty of dog fighting going on, like, not to single them out, but certain parts of the Bronx and certain parts of Washington Heights. But then I hear, you know, reputable people who are involved in advocacy saying, eh, it's not that big a problem. It's once in a while. Your thought? Well, one of the things that we often need to understand is New York City is not New York State. Right. And it happens like throughout the New York. And what we do know is that New York State has the weakest laws instead of the tri-state area. And we are, you know, when the Humane Society of the United States did a ranking of the strength of dog fighting laws across the country, we're number 47 out of 50 states. Number 47. And with now, just to clarify that, when you say out of the 50 states, New York is 47th in being the weakest law of against dog fighting? That's correct. <laughs> and, you know, over the summer, uh, there were a couple cases involving dog fighting that happened in Mount Vernon and in the Bronx area. What happened was, you know, more than half of the people were from New Jersey. And it's no accident that these people are coming from New Jersey to New York State. The reason why is that New Jersey has the number one in terms of strength of dogfighting laws. They have felony spectator, and for spectators of dogfighting, they can be charged with felony animal cruelty. The folks who are dogfighting can also be charged with felony level um, and also possession. But it does not happen in New York State, and we're seeing dogfighters being attracted to New York State for that very reason because we have such weak laws where if you are at a dogfight, if you're a fighter, if you're a possessor of the fighting dogs, or you're a spectator, you can only be charged with a violation or a misdemeanor. That's what's happening in New York State, and what we're trying to do is to solve that problem. And what we also know is that dogfighting is just part of the pot of crimes that happen. There's illegal gambling, there are drugs involved, and there's also gang activity. And also happened the very same case in the Bronx. We've had people who said that they've been scared. They wanted, they've known that this dogfighting has been happening for a long time, for years. It was not until that they were arrested that neighbors were speaking out because these people were living in fear of their lives. That dogfighting is happening and these gangs are happening and they found guns, they found drugs, and they found animals who were abused. So you mean that the people who go to the dog fights are not going to help at the church social after that? Definitely not. And, <laughs> you know, something that we were able to do that Chicago Police Department able to found is that 70% of dogfighters are involved in all the crimes. And it's a very high number, and that's why that the FBI is taking it very seriously when they see the federal crimes. And, you know, it's time that we need to see that the connection between animal cruelty towards other human violence that happened. And dogfighting is a perfect example, even in the Michael Vick case, that you will see that there were drugs involved and there were guns involved. And it happened. And, you know, right here in New York, like the Mount Vernon case that happened, more than half of the people from New Jersey and these neighbors have been terrorized for years. They know that this is happening, that these gangs are coming in, fighting dogs, betting, and they have guns and they have drugs, and these people have kids and they have their animals and they are in fear of their lives, and this is why we need to crack down. Now, and weren't you telling me some cockamamie loophole that if they don't 
What, what was that again about the tickets? Well, thankfully, thanks to the efforts of the members of the Humane Society of the United States and also other animal protection groups, that we were able to get rid of a loophole in the last legislative session. What it used to be is that you have to have a betting ticket or a ticket stub in order to be charged as a spectator at a dogfight. And what we all know is that dogfighting, it's not some sort of a Broadway show or a movie where you buy a ticket and you get ushered into a seat. That's not how dogfighting works. It's a lot less formal than that. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and it used to be where you can only charge if you have a ticket stub or you have a betting stub. That was the only way they can be charged as a spectator. But thankfully, thanks to the efforts of many activists, who, including the activists who went up to Albany to lobby, that we were able to get rid of this loophole. Now, uh, one thing you hear about dogfighting once in a while is th this controversy of. Well, it's part of some people's cultures. You know, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get killed for saying this, but I mean, you know, some people say, you know, uh, the Hispanic culture. There's dog fighting there in Mexico. They come here. When you're dealing with supposedly someone's culture, do you have to tread very lightly when you're trying to go after these laws and and folk? Well, the United States is definitely a nation of laws. We don't make exceptions for anyone. It doesn't matter like who you are. What we've seen, including in the Mount Vernon case and also in the Bronx cases, that these are crimes that affect the community, and it's committed by all sorts of people. And it's not just you know a certain you know there are certain communities probably people are paying more attention to that they will see that people are seeing. But then these crimes affect everyone. It doesn't matter who you are that you are being affected by these crimes. It may be committed by someone who's Hispanic, committed by someone who's Asian, or committed by someone who's from Missouri. It doesn't matter. But then it affects people of all ethnicities, people of all different places, and this is why anti-dogfighting laws are so important. Now, and that kind of leads us into um, you know something I kind of wanted to wrap up with you about um, Patrick and the Humane Society of the United States. I guess New York, I guess every everywhere, right? Are, you're having uh, a push on how to actually get laws passed, um, and I think that's very interesting. You're actually going to be training people, I guess, to be citizen lobbyists, and and some of the things we were just talking about were very interesting. Um, you know, like, like, tell me one of the mistakes people make when they're trying to, like, say, okay, I want to try and get an anti-dog fighting law passed. What, what are some of the mistakes you've seen people make? Well, something that really broke my heart just like a couple weeks ago, we had an activist who forwarded a bill that you know she wanted everyone to work on and it was all over the place I got about maybe 10 12 copies of the emails from different people and people were called to you know contact your assemblymen contact your senators about this bill but this bill has been dead since June and it was the last legislative session and one of the things that is so important is that especially in legislative process you have to contact the right person at the right time and also with the right method and this is what we're trying to do with the lobbying for animals seminar at the Humane Society of the United States is really trying to help activists to know what is the best ways of reaching out legislators in order to help move the bills. And, you know, something that also happens is we often hear people who say, 
there's a bill being voted on tomorrow, and please act right now. And, you know, the last-minute pushes are very important, but for most of these issues, it's already been decided for weeks, and this is why it's so important for us to be involved in the legislative process ahead of time so we know what's going on. And the Humane Society of the United States is actually holding humane lobby days across the country. We're doing 38 lobby days across the country in February and March. And in New York State, we'll be doing it at the end of March, and it will be actually Monday, March 30th, where we are bringing activists from all over New York State up to Albany to lobby on um, several bills concerning animals, including the canned shootings of captive exotic animals, the strengthening out dog fighting laws, and certainly also about trying to combat pop puppy mills in the New York State area. So I'll be going throughout the New York State. I'll be up at Rochester, in Syracuse, in Buffalo, in Albany, and certainly in New York State, um, New York City, in Poughkeepsie, different areas, trying to do these lobbying for animal seminar to get people more familiar with the legislative process. The, the email you just sent me, you're going to have one... Uh what was it January 27th? Is it down in, in Soho at Animal Haven? And then after that in, in Brooklyn, I think, right? Yeah, so on January 27th, I'll have one at uh, Animal Haven, Soho in Manhattan. And then I'll be doing one on a Monday that's in Brooklyn on February 2nd. And then I'll be doing one in Poughkeepsie shortly after that. And folks can find out more information at humanesociety.org slash calendar. Now, and again, let me, let me just emphasize to people, this is how to contact your state legislators, not, remember, t tell me again, what, remember uh, about the lady who said that wrote to the president, t tell us that story. Well, I remember one of the things that happened is we had a lady who told me that she's been trying to write President Bush for the last four years, and she's been writing every week and every month and trying to get him to increase funding for the city animal shelters. Unfortunately, that's not the right person to contact, and that's one of the things we try to talk about is who you have the most power with and the people who represent you and our elected officials, which may be your city council members, your senators, your state senators, your state assembly person. And, you know, there are different issues that are being addressed in different places. Some things may be in the environmental committee, and other things may be in the criminal justice committee. And we really need to know the legislative process in order to push some of these legislation through. Yeah, and I mean, that's something that people might not necessarily know. I mean, I know, like, in New York City, you have um, some council members that are you know kind of emerging and, and carving a niche for themselves as quote-unquote pet-friendly legislators like we were talking about Senator Kruger right uh, from state level and um, also you know Tony Avila comes to mind from from Queens right for the city council and Christine Quinn also comes to mind for not being the most friendly so I mean it's, it's really important for people to kind of keep up on how their local representatives have have tend to have voted in the past, correct? Well, one of the things we try to do in the Lobbying for Animals seminar is to get people to how to find out the most effective ways of communicating their issues and also, importantly, to hold their uh, elected officials accountable. You know, what we've seen is for a lot of elected officials, they may not have heard about the issues from their constituents. And, you know, they know us at the Humane Society of the United States. We go to them about different issues. But the most important people that they need to hear from is their constituents. They are the people who are elected to represent their communities. They need to hear what's going on. And surely we have, you know, we oftentimes have politicians and elected officials who not only act because they have constituents who 
are concerned about the issues, but because they care about the issues themselves deeply, and that's why they are acting. But we also have um, legislators who need to be know that their constituents care about this issue. And unfortunately, you know, oftentimes the animal issues actually happen to be one of the most important issues that are being addressed. The challenge that we have is trying to time these actions so that people are contacting our elected officials at the right time and also on the right issues. And the, sadly, what happens is that we're not contacting the officials with the most effective methods. We're not contacting them at the most effective times, and we're not contacting them in the most effective manner. And this is what we're trying to do with the Lobbying for Animal Seminar, to try to get people to understand the legislative process and how it works, and what are the effective ways that they can do to really help pass animal protection legislation. One thing I wanted to ask you, Let's be honest. Do people really, like when people say, oh, email Senator this and such about this or, or sign this online petition about this and such, do the politicians really look at their emails or is a handwritten letter still more effective? Well, you know, the most effective things that we can do is whatever that you can do. That's number one. And certainly within matters, um, you know, we have email alerts, we have phone alerts, and then we have activists who also come in person. And, you know, these lobbying for animal seminar, we're trying to say, you know, it depends on the issue that, you know, at a certain issue, maybe email is the most effective way for reaching legislators. And, you know, I remember there was an issue that we're working on in Putnam, in Putnam, New New York, where the legislators are part-time legislators, they don't get much calls, they are not in their office, so they actually, the most efficient way of reaching them is through email, and that was a good way of doing it. And it's the same thing with people, you may have a, you know, an aunt who only responds to phone calls, you may have a grandma who only responds to email. And it's dealing with people and dealing with legislators. And this is what sort of things that we try to do is that the most important thing is to form relationships with your legislators and also their staffers so you understand how is the most important thing to do. And some of the things that we've seen whenever legislators are going into a vote is they would say, how many calls have I gotten on this issue? How many emails have I gotten on this issue? And how many letters have I gotten on this issue? And it's the very same thing. It's like, you know, when you... Um, get like thank you letters does it mean more when you get an email does it mean more when you get a card does it mean more when you get a heartfelt thank you that coming in in a person and there are different things that happen and there are all different sorts of methods including writing letters to the editor in like your local newspaper and certainly trying to get the issue out in the media is important as well. And especially if somebody's running for re-election or something and they want your vote, it might be good to remind them, you know, what's important to you. Well, some of the things that we also know is many animal advocates may not know who their legislators are yeah. to begin with. And some of the things that we try to do is really explain the 101s of how to be an effective citizen lobbyist. When people think of lobbying or lobbyists, they think of people in suits and briefcases, and they think of, you know, Washington, or they think of Albany, as, or even City Hall as this, you know, big place with, that you can't get into, and you can't do anything or say anything, and you have politicians who are not caring about anything pathetic, but that's not really how it works. They are there 
to represent the views of the constituents. And if you speak up, you will be heard. If not, you won't be. So that, that really, that's where the all well, politics is local kind of comes in. That's correct. And, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do is really trying to help activists to know how to reach your legislators and how to speak out on the issues that are important to animals because, unfortunately, animals can't vote. And they would go to City Hall if they could, but unfortunately they can't. All right, so once again, we're here with Patrick Kwan, New York uh, region of the Humane Society of the United States. And uh, I ate a vegan muffin, and he didn't tell me, but, and it was good. So I'm not, I'm not going to go vegan, but, but I, I did, it's a start, right, Patrick? Well, the great thing is the many things that when people find out is there's things that you can eat that may be vegan and may not be and but then you know the most important thing is everything what we can do a little bit at a time to help animals whether it's writing a letter whether it's speaking out for animals or even joining us at a lobby day there's all sorts of different things that we can do and certainly you know eating more consciously and be eating more humanely is one of the things that we can do so i i may eat another vegan muffin not right today, but tomorrow. And um, and Patrick, so he told us what's really uh, coming up in New York, uh, the dog fighting, the puppy mills moving from Pennsylvania mostly to here, right? And um, I know you were upset about the canned shoots, the pheasant suits. You could see all this stuff on your website again. Can you repeat that for us again? Um, our website is right at humanesociety.org, and certainly for events, they can look at humanesociety.org slash calendar, and that would give them a whole bunch of events that were happening. And, you know, whenever you can look at a different website at humanesociety.org, you'll find out about all sorts of action alerts um, on the national level, on the state level, and also on the local level. So, and now, if I want to find out about New York stuff in particular, I go to the main site, and then what happens? One of the things you could do is very simply is to type in the word New York, and you can find a lot of issues that's there. Um, we also have a state legislation page, and one of the things is really if you sign up on our email list online, you'll be able to get all the alerts at the right time when you find out about different issues. So if you go right on our website at humanesociety.org, you can enter in your email, make sure to include your zip code, and you will find out about all the things that are happening in New York State. So, um, Patrick, I'm going to have you, um, I depend on you to check in with us every once in a while as, as uh, you know, these uh, different laws go by, correct? That would be great. I would love to be back. And, uh, you know, and, and you heard it here. I really honestly think, and Patrick and I were talking about it, let's hope that it's not going to be open season on geese. I mean, I, I really, I don't want any more plane crashes, but I'm just thinking, Patrick, with this plane crash in the Hudson, geese are not going to be having a good day. <laughs> well, it's we're hopefully that it will be America on the Hudson and also America in the skies as well. So one of the things that really this illustrates the importance of having, you know, a plan towards dealing with wildlife. And it's about, you know, we're living in a world where we're increasingly living next to animals or with animals in different places. And we need to have policies in place and humane policies in place and a plan to deal with these issues. And this is what we're trying to do. And the Humane Society of the United States is ready to help. Okay, so uh, we'll be talking with Patrick again soon. Thanks, Patrick. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, I have to tell you, the, the vegan muffin, it, it wasn't too bad. It, honestly, it was a little dry. It was a little dry. But, you know, it was good. As for me, if there's sugar on it, it's, it's all good in the hood. Hey, stick around. Listen to our sponsors who keep us on the air. Buy something, and I'll be right back. 
All right, this is my stop, Commercial Boulevard. Yeah, that's funny. Pets in the city will be back in a New York minute. Don't go anywhere. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Ladies and gentlemen, Pet Life Radio proudly presents DSPN, the Dog Sports and Performance Network. Get ready to unleash the dog sports enthusiast in all of us. From ski touring and mushing to racing, agility, and competition, this is the place to learn all about the dog sports and activities that you can do with your furry best friend and canine competitor. So get ready for game time. DSPN with your host, Lori Williams. Every week, on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, all you yuppie puppies and city kitties. Pets in the City is back with more urban animals and cool cosmopolitan critters. Try saying that three times fast. Right, Diane? I think Patrick really want to learn something to, to communicate with your representatives because this is your country, people, okay? We are still a democracy. Uh, for eight years, it was uh, a question of whether we were a democracy anymore. But as of January 20th, 2009, at about 12.01 p.m. Eastern Time, what I understand, we're on our way back to being a democratic country. So definitely get involved with your legislative uh, practices, like Patrick says. And, and visit their uh, site, humanesociety.org, H-U-M-A-N-E-S-O-C-I-E-T-Y dot O-R-G. And um, try and attend one of those sessions. It should be really cool. Matter of fact, let's look at our case calendar for February. There's a lot of cool things. Well, in New York... Westminster, 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 all day, all the time, for about a week. We are invaded by every breed of dog that you could possibly imagine, which is which is kind of cool because you get to see dogs that you may not have ever seen before. Anyway, the uh, Westminster show starts at Madison Square Garden on uh, Monday, February 9th, and Tuesday, February 10th. I believe they do show it on USA Network. Uh, the Best in Show is usually announced around 8 o'clock on the second night of the show, which in this case would be Tuesday, February 10th. Um, but there's a lot of other cool things going on uh, surrounding that show. Uh, for example, on Friday, February 6th at 7 p.m., there's going to be a pre-Westminster red carpet fashion show and awards uh, presented by a good friend of ours, Ada Nieves, uh, who's one of the proprietors of Prima Dog. She'll also be joined by a lot of other people we've mentioned here, um, Eli the Chihuahua and Karen. Rick, who you've, uh, Rick Karen and Julie Dog, who we interviewed just recently. Great time. Uh, so it'll be Benefit Animal Haven. It'll be on the 18th floor ballroom of the Hotel Pennsylvania. Yes, that's for our older listeners, Pennsylvania 65,000, 32nd Street and 7th Avenue. Um, so email Judy com to order tickets. That's J U D Y at First in Line. Dot com. Um, let's see what else. We got some art gallery things going on. We got Angel on a Leash benefit going on Saturday, February seventh, from five to seven. Visit angelonaleash.org. Good friend of ours, David Fry from Westminster Kennel Club. That that raises some really good money for um, therapy dogs to visit. Some very sick 
people, mostly children in, in area hospitals here. Good, good thing. Good thing to go to. This month is Spay Day USA, Tuesday, February 24th. Check out your local rescues for anything that might be going on that you might want to get involved in. Spaying and neutering is very, very important. It really is. So uh, try and support those efforts when you can. And uh, also in New York, pretty much it's going to be I Love NYC Pets all throughout February. And there's many, many adoption events and educational events going on. Too many to list here. But please definitely take a look at our website, which is www.newyork. T-A-I-L-S dot com and you will find all of them. You can also sign up for my newsletter there as well. Um, oh, here we go. Monday, February 2nd, uh, New York City Lobby 101 Seminar. That's that's going to be with Patrick, who you just uh, heard from. I'm not sure if he's going to personally be there, but one of his representatives is going to be at the Brooklyn Law School, 250 Jorlum Street at Borum Place, first floor student lounge. I uh, got an RSVP by February 1st, and it'll be from 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. Again, really, I, I encourage you to go, and you'll learn a lot about government. That's about it for now. Listen, I, I want to hear from you guys. How are we doing? Give me an email. How did you like City Pound last week? I thought it was very cool. We're going to do it once a month. Let us know uh, how you liked what we were talking about with Patrick Kwan. Do you think they should do an all-out assault on geese? Are there other ways to deal with it? There was actually something that happened in Jersey that was very disturbing. There was supposed to be a quote-unquote controlled culling of starlings um, in Franklin Township, New Jersey, about a week or two ago. And they poisoned the birds. And they can be destructive to crops and, and other things. And then all of a sudden, the birds started raining down from the sky. I mean, people were justifiably horrified. So what, what do we do uh, about this? Um, how do we live together? How can we all just get along? Give me an email, diane at petliferadio.com, okay? I will talk to you next week. Stay cool. New York, the glitz, the glamour, the exciting Muttropolis, the sparkling kitty city that never sleeps. Join us each week for Pets in the City with your host, Diane West. Celebrity pet sightings, hot events, and news and reviews with the hottest movers, shakers, and tail waggers in New York. So take a bite out of the Big Apple with Pets in the City. Every week, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.